Hello, and welcome to an extra special podcasted episode of Nervous Nellies, the show about nervous energy and music. You're listening on Sin with Bailey. Normally, the Nervous Nellies podcast, titled Nervous Nellies Rewind, is all about compiling noteworthy segments from a given season in order. Before our rewind of the latest October to December 2021 season, though, we'll be jumping the queue a bit by podcasting a once-off review segment from episode 7. This segment covers the documentary Sisters with Transistors, which I had just seen before the episode, but I ended up having a lot to say about it, to the extent that the review segment alone matched how much I normally talk in an episode for. So because of its substance, I've uploaded it separate to the upcoming episode 7 compilation. And if you're not there already, you can also check out the show page on the Sin website for an article with the transcript to this review. So without further ado, here's the segment. Sisters with Transistors Review On that note, we're up to the movie I wanted to cover, titled Sisters with Transistors, which was also the first one I saw in cinema since the big mid-year lockdown in Melbourne. I first heard about it in April of this year, but I think distribution of it in Australia has been significantly hampered by ongoing cinema closures, meaning I was only able to catch a screening of it at my local theatre last week. As of this episode, I'm not sure where you'd be able to watch it, but I'd strongly recommend seeking it out. It's a great overview of the history of women in electronic music, which is in itself extremely valuable, because the way 20th century electronic music gets regurgitated in the era of YouTube recommendations and music communities on social media is often very male-dominated. If you hear about electronic music in the 60s, it's usually Silver Apples of the Moon by Morton Subotnik, Music Concrete, the two peers Henry and Schaefer, and the conversation about integrating electronics into popular music often starts and ends with Kraftwerk. Likely knowing this is the case, director Lisa Rovner does a great job of pairing all those cultural touchstones with women voices. Alongside the inventor of the theremin was violin virtuoso Clara Rockmore, who applied the precise fingering of a string instrument to the theremin showing from the beginning that the technology wasn't just a gimmick, as well as helping with its design. Alongside Subotnik was Pauline Oliveros at the San Francisco Tape Music Center, and working with the two peers was Eliane Radik, whose own music branched out into tape-generated feedback loops. And over in Britain, Daphne Oram introduced electronic music to the BBC, establishing the BBC Radiophonic Workshop to produce electronic, incidental music for the station's radio and TV shows, which paved the way for artists like Delia Derbyshire, who produced the original Doctor Who theme. The film is also just a really good overview of 20th century electronic music in general. It shows that music generated from synthesizers and music pieced together from tape loops in studio have more overlap than you'd think. In some of the artists' spotlights, they talk about putting their taped audio clips through various filters to sound more electronic, including reverb. Sometimes that literally just means playing the clip back in a bathroom, 
taking advantage of the acoustics in the same way wind instruments manipulate the natural movement of air by filtering it through something like a clarinet. And on the other hand, some of the sounds in B.B. Barron and her husband Lewis's electronic film score for 1956's Forbidden Planet were simply generated from their homemade electronic circuits blowing out. This notion of synthesizers and tape machines organically manipulating sounds as much as a traditional instrument is especially important from the 20s to the 60s, where these technologies were getting developed in classical and academic institutions and fighting to be recognized as music. The film argues that from a feminist standpoint, electronic music was liberating because many of these artists were avant-garde composers that weren't getting performed, and that synthesizers and tape decks offered a way for them to produce their own compositions. Unfortunately, the next hurdle was mainstream music publishing, with many of the century's pioneering works needing to exist as incidental music to other media in order to get produced, and even then still continuing to be marginalized. What I mean is that while incidental music isn't less artistic in any way, the same marginalizing forces that push women into these alternative avenues then get reapplied to devalue their work that does get published. Beyond the publicly funded BBC Radiophonic Workshop, the Barron's soundtrack for Forbidden Planet was refused to be considered a film score, instead being credited as electronic tonalities. Suzanne Ciani has the honor of being the first woman to score a major Hollywood film, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, but it took until 1981 for this to happen. And while popular in the mainstream, Wendy Carlos's switched-on Bach was considered classical sacrilege, with one line of thinking being that the synth instruments weren't real music and could at best only imitate the sounds of an orchestra. This is a dumb argument, because, as I've indicated previously, the idea of scales and octaves are equally as fake, and it's completely arbitrary that we decided to poke holes in our wind instruments at certain spots and tighten the strings on our violins to certain amounts. To me, one of the most important insights from this film's feminist reading of 20th century electronic music is that there's also a huge irony implicit within 2000's hauntology and 2010's vaporwave music. Usually in this style of music, samples of analog synthesizers and 80s pop are chopped, screwed, and fused with imagery of shopping malls, commercial audio, and early attempts at CGI, with the common takeaway being that this imagery is a lost future, that its technology promised us a new space age, even if it was consumerist, and yet now the real future of technology has ended up with most CGI looking boring and shopping malls closing down in favor of staying home and getting same-day delivery. And in this culture of treating analog synths and early computer technology as retro-futurist, incidental and new-age music alike are consumed incredulously, with its sounds still being considered kitschy. But what Sisters with Transistors implies is that this association between analog synths and commercialism with artists like Chiani also finding success scoring TV spots and creating sound bites for ads, is partly caused by this technology being driven out of academic and mainstream spaces in the first place.
In the segment on the Radiophonic Workshop, the diversification of career opportunities for women is very explicitly linked to World War II and the need for women to take on the jobs of men while they're away, to keep the engine of capitalism running, so to speak. And the parallel here is that again, these achievements for women's equality are occurring in the embrace of commerce. So I guess the ironic consumption of retrofuturist kitsch in ontology and vaporwave is itself ironic because many of its samples are only commercialist because of the institutional rejection of electronic music as art. Personally, with Nervous Nellies, I often describe the down-tempo electronic music I air as weird or off-kilter, but I should stress that I'm not asking you to listen to these things ironically. In many ways, music in the digital age is still a history in the making, with the timeline in Sisters with Transistors stopping in the mid-80s. Digital music does approach sound differently to the organic manipulation of acoustics present in both analog electronics and classical instruments, but it doesn't have to be considered kitsch or inferior, which is why often with my examples of nervous energy music, I highlight intersections between classical, analog, and digital composition. Frankly, I shouldn't be referring to any of this music as ambient, because of how loaded a term it is with regards to deigning that some music should stay in the background, or shouldn't be listened to with intent. So to rectify that, please listen with intent to one of Sisters with Transistors' many featured artists, Delia Derbyshire's Pot of Fur. <laughs> 